You were just like I did at your age. Please don't say that thing. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade, now dads reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, this is Halloween. This is Halloween. We review the nightmare before Christmas. But first, Eddie, how's the family? We are doing wonderful. I have uh, been out of town for a little bit, but now I'm back. And so it's been fun to kind of uh, be playing lots of trains and just kind of hanging out with everybody and, and reacclimating. We, um, we are, uh, big Buzz Lightyear fans in, in our house. Uh, this is for whatever reason, Lewis is like favorite character right now. And, <laughs> uh, my mom bought him Buzz Lightyear PJs and rubber snow boots for Christmas. Oh, and we can't get him out of them. He's always wearing. <laughs> and she also got him uh, like toy figures of Woody and Buzz, you Ooh, know, just like yeah. f- from the movies. And he takes them one or both of them everywhere. It's very, very Andy-esque. Um, but it was really funny. My dad took him to Culver's, which, oh, yes. uh, which is a very Midwestern, you know, kind of. Restaurant. We have Colvos here, here too in Nashville. Oh, do you now? Okay. Yes, we do. But um, so he took uh, Lewis dressed like Buzz Lightyear, holding <laughs> holding his Buzz Lightyear to Culver's, which he has to go around and tell everybody um, to infinity and beyond. Uh, and you know everybody loves that. Then when they sit down to eat, my dad asks him. Um, would Buzz Lightyear like some French fries? And to which Lewis declared, "No, no, Buzz Lightyear no like fries. He like chicken nuggets." <laughs> so, in case you were curious, Buzz Lightyear doesn't eat French fries. He only eats chicken nuggets. Um, which Lewis did proceed to to feed him. That's funny, nuggets, but yes. Can I tell you what? Can I tell you what, uh, buddy? the one character he was afraid of from all of the Pixar movies that we would watch. <laughs> Which one? Buzz Lightyear. Oh, he was afraid literally, of him. Literally afraid of him when we would go to the store and we'd have to avoid, like there was always one that was sitting on like the aisle. Yeah, oh yeah. Right. As we went through Target near the cheap section, constantly he was afraid of that thing. No, it is, it's, the favorite in our house. I don't know why. That and Forky, which... Um, oh, Forky. Yep. Every time he sees anything, he has to declare, you know, there's Forky, there's Forky. Forky but, asks a question. But the way he says it doesn't come out uh, as an appropriate thing for a two-year-old to say. <laughs> you would think the people at Disney and Pixar would have thought that through. Like, there's going to be two and three-year-olds trying to say this. and Or That's maybe funny. they did, and they, they thought it was hilarious. But there's a few times where he yells it out, and we're like, no, Forky, like the character from Toy Story 4. That's awesome. <laughs> so, Eddie... Uh... We've had some news happen since you've been out of town a little bit. We have had some new marvelous content drop 
for us. And of course, we were talking about WandaVision. Eddie, have you had a chance in all of your out and about? I have. Um, We, uh, I think in the past two days, have watched all three episodes, which I mean, they're they're a little bit shorter, so it it actually makes it quite a lot easier. Um, And I'll say I grew up watching Nick at Night and TV Land. And so I grew up on the Dick Van Dyke show, Bewitched, Brady Bunch, like rewatching a lot of the old kind of American TV sitcoms. So this at just like a surface aesthetic level was a lot of fun. Like I really thought this was clever and cool and really just kind of enjoyed the, you know, retelling of Dick Van Dyke for the first episode, Bewitched for the second and Brady Bunch for the sec for the third. Um, just a very creative, like, you know how I don't, we still don't know how this is all going to tie together or what's really happening, I guess, but just that just trying new genres has always been one of my favorite things about Marvel in general, every kind of outing, every character they attempt new and different genres um which just keeps it fresh and fun and they they definitely do that here yeah if you are a listener of this podcast you know that we have talked about that in a previous episode about how marvel has doubled tripled whatever or they um they do genre for every single film and they've got um some other ones are starting to do with a heist movie for the loki series uh this is by far their most doubling down, tripling down on genre. Yes. Uh, would you call period? I mean, I guess it, I guess it's more it's period period piece style. Yeah, I guess that it'd could, be period. That, that that would be. Uh, they they definitely doubled and tripled down on this to the point where you're there's a definite move from the sixty or the fifties to the sixties to the seventies. Although. I was not quite as aware that we were moving from the 50s and 60s. My wife had to come and say, hey, you know how she kept on talking about how she's wearing pants? That was one of the distinct di- distinguishing features going from the 50s to the 60s. The 60s, you go from the um, Dick Van Dyke show to more of the Bewitched style um, era in there. And of course, the 70s is a lot more pronounced in that third episode because we are now in color. Yep. Um, I, well, they even they did something clever. The end of the second episode, there's that transition from black and white to color, and Bewitched actually did that. I can't remember the exact amount, but the first few seasons of Bewitched were in black and white, and then it transitioned to color. So I thought it was uh, clever, um, like the set design, costumes, and everything is very bewitched. They they kind of mimic that, the house that they're in and everything. And so to even mimic that that was the show that made a transition from color to from black and white to color, that was pretty cool too. I uh my favorite stuff is when the frankly is when the Marvel stuff really so you start getting some of the little hints of it when they just well one whenever she's using magic mm-hmm. and has a very stylized of that time where things are kind of like floating kind of funny like they're being held in air by (laughs) by invisible wires and stuff like that uh so it kind of leans into that but i would say my favorite stuff is when the marvel stuff finally like pushes through so much that it's like undeniable it's like okay now you really we i need you to save him reach your hand in 
like, and that goes real serious. I think that comes from, uh, I didn't feel it as much in the third one in the 70s one. The first two, uh, just because I'm not a huge fan of like what like you are of that time period and those times, like I understood and I enjoyed the kind of way that they kind of broke it apart a little bit and uh, would have all of the Marvel stuff come into it. But there was a lot of times in the first two episodes where I was just like, okay, are we going to get onto this? Are we going to like move something through? Or are we literally just going to be in a seven, in a sure. 60s, 50s show? And when it would break to the point where it's like, okay, no, there is something sinister happening here. There's something else going on that we don't know. We have the beekeeper uh, situation. Uh, not that we got any answers from that. <laughs> from that whatsoever uh i think but once we got into the 70s i was a little bit more into it um from whatever the storyline was because i knew that there was gonna be something crazy happening and it did there were so many things in it and so many questions i feel kind of like we're on a uh a kind of a version of lost here with just like weird things happening not much explanation yet three episodes into this yeah, and I think the end of episode three made you go, oh, okay, some bigger things are at play here. Um, mm-hmm. But we won't go into that here because we don't want to spoil anything. But I, I, I do also want to say, I think this shows everybody's a- acting chops really well. Like Their range? They have incredible range, particularly, um, what is it, Elizabeth Olsen? And um, and Paul Bentney, I think both of them, I've just been amazed at the, their range, yeah, their ability. And, and then I also think the, I love the actress Catherine Hahn. Mm-hmm. She was one of my yep. favorite characters in Parks and Rec. Always uh, just a fun little kind of a pop in. Talk about a person with range, the amount of stuff that she is putting out right now. Yeah. Um, that that lady can do can do anything and this this just kind of shows a funny serious twisted sinister like i she can just play and emote so much of it it was um yeah she's a fun one to watch definitely looking forward to what the next one is uh i wouldn't say that it um obviously mandalorian still i think sets itself apart from this uh uh not quite on the the desire to watch the next episodes like I was with the Mandalorian, but nonetheless, it's new stuff we've never seen before. No idea what's going to be happening in the next episode, which is a great place to be in. So I'm well, excited they, for the next episodes. They say this is the show that launches the next phase of the MCU. Okay. So um, better get it right or else it's going to be a sucky phase. Yeah. Like it's supposed to (laughs) open up the storylines for like the next Doctor Strange and all of the other movies that kind of follow. So I think we will get more and uh, more of the ending of episode three and less focus on what's just kind of what happened in the first two episodes where it's just kind of like, oh, they're stuck in a sitcom. Yep. I think it's we shall see, too. Eddie. We shall see. But for That's now, what we're, going, what we're going to talk about is what you all came here for, which is Nightmare Before Christmas. Cue the Disney-ish sound effect. IMDb, don't let us down. Here is the IMDb description for the Nightmare Before Christmas. 
Jack Skellington, king of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town. But his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes confusion. I feel a little bit let down by this. I feel like the confusion, ending it with causing confusion, like there should have been a little bit more pizzazz on that last little bit. He didn't just cause confusion. He almost canceled Christmas. So let's be honest here. Almost destroys it. Scared some yeah. kids, scared all these kind of people. Just like if you can hear in the background, the thunder rolling in uh, around me. Uh, there was a lot happening in here. Eddie, you told me that you had never seen this film before. No, this was my very first time to watch this movie in its entirety. Right? Like, did you watch this with your son or no? Did you make this? Uh... <laughs> so we got through two minutes and we're like, oh, yeah, no, nope. no, 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 no. Okay. What you were can, we yeah. thinking? Yeah. So at first we're like, yeah, maybe he'll be. No. And Sarah was like, Get, turn it off, pull him away. I'm like, <laughs> OK, I agree. I agree. Um, No, like I have heard several of the songs. I have seen the characters yep. everywhere. Um, I've seen, you know, like um, clips, but I had never growing up. It wasn't like, yeah, I just never even heard about it. I yeah. never heard about it until I was much older. Um, honestly, it was one of those things where I think it was actually we were like in the Disney parks around Halloween and they make a big deal of this yes. movie there. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this or heard this. Is this really a Disney movie? Um, and so, yeah, really. But I, I and I have no idea why it slipped past me. Like Hocus Pocus. Yep, that was a big part. We watched a lot of Hocus Pocus. But this, I don't know. So uh, this was my very first viewing. And did you enjoy your first viewing or what were your thoughts on it? I was kind of teasing it out there. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. I I thought this was clever and fun and I think the most enjoyable aspect of this for me was the originality and the creativity. Like every step of the way I'm like this is a beautiful movie. Like it's just um the stop motion animation, the the artistry in this, uh, that's kind of like that more creative art artistic side of me was just really engaged and kind of firing on all cylinders going, oh, wow, I love how they did that. Oh, that's really cool. I like the overall production design. The story is clever and cute. Um, yeah, I, I, Sarah probably said it really well, though. She was like, I really like that. It's probably not my new favorite movie. It's not like something I want to watch all the time, but I really enjoyed it. So I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Uh, and I can see why it has kind of, again, a, a cult classic following. I can also see why it's it's a highly marketable movie because it's got original characters, original things. So, of course, this is why they're going to kind of roll it out and, you know, Halloween time in the parks and stuff like that. So had you seen it? Uh, so I had seen portions of it before, uh, I think it was last year, right after we got Disney Plus, uh, and we got, um, it came around to Christmas time, I saw this on there, and I was like, you know, I don't know if I've actually sit down and watched it all myself, so I think last year was my first time 
really watching it uh, all the way through. And so then I, of course, I rewatched it again um, recently as preparing for this episode. Um, I, uh, it wasn't the story that I thought it was going to be. There was story. um, If you were to write the story, how would you have done it? No, I'm just saying that the, even watching it the second time, Jack kind of becomes, I mean, he is the cause of all the mayhem. (laughs) He's not a, not anywhere, any sort of a hero character for this. It's, he is spur like Sally basically is the hero. Of Sally's the, story. the hero. Yeah. Yeah. She's the secret. She's the secret hero of this story. Um, and which is interesting because if you watch the Christmas movies that made us on Netflix, a spinoff of the movies that made us, uh, they do a couple Christmas films. They did elf and then they did this film and they talk about how she really, she was a different whole character completely. She wasn't a big part. And when they brought the script back around to this, a writer to be the one to finish it off and to write it because the original writer had basically done nothing um, as long as they had it. Um, she and she was actually the the girlfriend of Danny Elfman, which is how Danny got this film as well. She talks about how she took. She was like, "There's no female characters in this," and she took Sally and made her into the more prominent character that she became. But there's definitely a lot of moments in this where I'm almost, I'm just like frustrated with Jack. I'm just like, no, you're doing all of it so wrong. Why, why, why? Kind of a, kind of a thing. And you're just like pulling up, please can Sally just like come to the rescue and like save this whole endeavor where he has to have this big moment where I guess the moral of the story is like, be who you were made to be and don't be somebody else. Um, Like, it's kind of like stay in your lane. That's yeah. the unintended moral consequence of the story for a creative, <laughs> for a creative, crazy creative endeavor. Any any um, claim animation movie is the more of the story being stay in your lane. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's kind of like just be who you are, and I guess, or you could say it's don't try to be someone you're not. Right. But I don't. Um, I think I could both on one hand really enjoy wow the craftsmanship of all of this knowing what it takes to do any sort of animation thing astounding the fact that if you look if you listen to uh christmas movies that made us they talk about how one of tim burton's one things that he said was or maybe one of his cronies i don't remember who it was was like no right edges no square edges there's not a single thing that is on the right level playing it's the basically the anti um uh what's the filmmaker that everything is directly centered and linear uh the fantastic mr fox the director for that um it's the anderson wes anderson Anderson. this is the antithesis to wes anderson i think i could both hold that in one hand and go wow this was incredible the songs actually were pretty good in it um and then also be like, I I just don't care about the characters in this. Where I'm just like, mm. yeah, it's it's I, it int- never it never landed in that great moment where like I care about the people and the craftsmanship and the creativity. It was it, it, it was messy. I never cared about the motives of Jack Skeleton. No. Like, um, his "I Want" song was probably my least favorite of the songs in the whole film. 
Um, I probably cared more about the mayor of Halloween Town than I did Jack. <laughs> I loved the mayor. Like, when Jack gets was- blown out of the sky, he immediately goes into his car and starts mourning him through the streets. Through like, the streets. Well, and then I, when he gets he gets so freaked out when he's at when he's at Jack's door and he's not answering and he you feel so bad for him. Well, oh, I think I wrote this down. I'm only an elected official. I can't make decisions <laughs> by myself. <laughs> I love it. So pitiful. I remember um a couple of years ago being at Disney World and seeing they they sell like cups of him with a top that is his two faces you know you can take it off and everything and i and i hadn't seen the movie and so i look at it i'm like this thing's just awful like who would buy this and about halfway through the movie i'm like i want to buy that now now i get that i love this character i love the mayor yeah but jack jack just was never motivating for me it was just like okay it's it's a clever concept but uh, I think one of the things that is hard is um, Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Those are recognizable uh, characters for their holidays. I don't know. I've I've ever heard of like the Pumpkin King for Halloween, or I don't think it is. I think I think it's a. I mean, it's a created character, right? So I think you lose some of the um, instant pull of the character by it not being a recognizable. Halloween, like leader of Halloween. Maybe Does that's that make sense? maybe that's why Hocus Pocus works so well because they're witches, and that's a yeah. Very- and it's just like instantaneous. Like I, I connect. I see this. Um, I love the the design of Jack, but I'm not connected with him as a character because I, I've never heard of a Pumpkin King before. Oh, he's the king of this town, but there's also a mayor. Like there's just this little bit of conflict there where I'm like. Maybe I'm overanalyzing this. Yes, I most certainly am, but I didn't care about him as, as much. I'm a 30-something-year-old man. <laughs> the Boogie Woogie Man legit scared me. Legit creeped me out. Everything to do with him, especially when his cover gets pulled <laughs> off and there's all the bugs. It's just so <laughs> unnerving. I couldn't agree more. The bugs especially. But I have to tell you, I wanted more. I wanted to see more of Boogie Woogie. Boogie Woogie. More Boogie Woogie, man. I, no. I, I, no? I'm, I, I have, I'm so glad I don't have to rewatch this thing again uh, for some, like, against my will. Because that, the Boogie Woogie man just, like, scared me. It was just so unnerving and so creepy. <laughs> I found it, yes, scary, but at the same time, I... I it was such a fun character to me. I loved his song. I love the the character's voice and the in his song. I just that 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 was really cool. We can agree to disagree on that. Agree to disagree. <laughs> what did you think of Dr. Frankenstein? Dr. Frankenstein. He was, he was fine. No, you didn't. Okay. I I found him very I loved the playful exchange of him creating his different characters, taking, you know, taking out half of his brain and giving them to the other. But I think uh, my favorite is the just openness of Sally just trying, trying to poison to him, him all the time, trying with, to kill him all the time. Everything. It's like you and then he, he never dies. He just like 
No. Doesn't die from nightshade. Doesn't die from all the other things and arsenic or whatever. And he just comes, oh, I'll get you back, Sally. I did enjoy his. I did notice on the second time through when I when I watched this, the uh, his um, new person that he makes at the very end is basically himself as a woman. Yes, pushing his wheelchair. I could I love. It. And I couldn't remember which side of the brain he gave to his other person. So I was trying to play off that was at the left side. Right. Intelligent with the creative is bride the the right side of the brain, the more creative side. I couldn't really um, pick that up. Yes. Um, are we ready to talk about my wife's uh, thoughts about this film and why I might be a little tainted before even watching this film? I I had a feeling she would have some immediate um, dislike so- for it. So, like we had kind of mentioned a little bit before, uh, Disney likes to use a lot of uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas imagery, characters, etc. in their in in what they're doing for around Halloween and into Christmas, all the way through Christmas yes. into the yes. New Year. They it's they probably start working on it somewhere in September, I would say, and they just basically shut down part of the park, at least in Disneyland. Uh, the Haunted Mansion especially, to retrofit it all with the Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. So I would say probably if like September, October, November, December, there's probably f- a quarter of the year where the parks are kind of decorated for the Nightmare Before Christmas, and especially the Haunted Mansion ride is completely redone with Jack Skellington um, all throughout, with Zero, with all the characters inside of that ride. And this is why my wife hates this movie. Even, even beyond like the movie itself, because the haunted mansion ride is sacred to her. And it is one of the, it is her favorite ride in the world. Yeah. And the fact that once a year for three or four months, she does not get to it. She did not get to enjoy that ride as it was meant to be it had all this other stuff thrown on and it's like neon style um, glow in the dark kind of stuff that they put on it. No matter how cool it looks, it infuriates her. (laughs) And so she comes in with a bias and she did her best to transfer that bias to me when we got married. Like this is just (laughs) going to be a thing. We don't like this no matter what kind of a thing. And I think last year when it came out, Hey, have you ever actually watched the it? She was like, yeah. I don't remember if I have, but still we don't like, so we ended up watching it together last year. So uh, right before I came on to do this, I knew that's kind of where her bent was that she had a vendetta against this film. And so I just asked her, Hey, would you like to offer any, Hey, hey baby, would you like to offer any words of like thought, some thought, I, some thoughts about this film? I had my sneaking suspicions that this may oh, be yeah. true because oh, yeah. I, I mean, her love of Haunted Mansion is well established, and I and I've known that they come in every year and change this. So I'm, I am quite anxious to know her just full on thoughts here. <laughs> I was like, baby, what? Uh, do you have any any thoughts about Nightmare Before Christmas that I can share on the show? She said, "You mean other than it's freaking scary, and I don't know why Disney did it." <laughs> <laughs> and then she followed that up with actually show me any claymation movie that's not scary uh james and the giant peach Coraline. Uh, i threw out there what about rudolph redner and dream she was like 
Okay, that's fine. Yes. Uh, so she said, uh, with Disneyland, she's like, I avoid Disneyland until Haunted Mansion is back to normal. In fact, she once uh, talked her aunt, who lived in another state, they would come in yearly to California uh, to come do things, and they always want to go to um, Disneyland. She said she once talked her aunt to change her entire vacation so that they would have to switch, they would have to wait till January, mid-January, yeah. after they've switched it back to the normal side. She literally got her to change the dates just because of what they do to the Haunted Mansion ride. She's like, if I'm going to go all the way to Disneyland, I want it to be when it's <laughs> nice, not, not when it's in that weird spot. Uh, so that is her uh, very um, even and balanced take. <laughs> even and balanced take. I have to agree with her, though. Like, this movie is scarier than I thought it was going to be. Like, like, there is some really twisted stuff in there. I'm like, like the moment when they do, when they're making the toys that Jack will pass out and they put bullet holes in the play duck and then even go as far as to put the blood dripping out of the bullet holes i'm like it's intense this is intense this is so twisted so intense yeah and i think that's kind of the part where i'm like yeah i don't know if i would sit down and want to watch this every year yeah it's it's not it's not a it's not a rewatchable for for me it's not something that uh, I'm dying to uh, to rewatch. All so, uh, we're more the Disney World uh, folks, and so they now do at Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween. Like Jack Skeleton hosts the um, the fireworks show. Okay, and the you know, and so that is cool because they do this massive like ten foot puppet of of Jack. And so that's that's not as invasive. They don't take over something yeah. like the haunted mansion or or things like that. They don't rip out the soul of the the best the best thing yes. on the park. Yes, uh, pun yes. intended. Have you? Um, so if you haven't seen uh, the the behind the scenes of this, the uh, the Christmas movies that made us, what I find super fascinating about about the making of this is Tim Burton at the time he is coming off of the reason this thing really got greenlit is because he made the batman movie and it did so well that they were literally like he made them at the same time yeah so he was making the second one the second one the second one at the same time but he did the first one it went off like gangbusters and they were like yes do whatever you want to do as long as you do the sequel to your first batman movie so he to say that he was making this at the same time actually isn't even accurate his name and he was spending some attention on this, but really yeah. he was not involved. That's what blew me almost away at all. This. Yeah, he like he had the idea for it, he had the concept, and then he basically sent it over to his lackeys. Like, great, here go, go with God. Just do what, make it the way that I would want it to be made. Yeah, he had previously written a three-page poem that is just kind of the basic concept, yeah. and he had said. I think it would be fun is if we made this like the old claymation, uh, like Rudolph or um, um, like, um, what was the other one? Um, Frosty the Snowman. That was the one I was trying yeah. to think of. Um, let's just kind of make it a short TV special. And then after Batman, they kind of grew it out. 
And it really was the author, the the screenwriter who makes it the story that it is, and Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman yep. wrote all of the music. Danny Elfman was also the the voice of Jack when he's singing. He's yes, the singing, the singing voice. voice. Yep. Um, no, yeah, this was not directed by Tim. Yeah, Burton. it was so, uh, Henry Selick is actually the director of this film. That's he, what he, surprised and he, me. And he, he is a big part of the see, documentary. Yeah, you always see Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Like that is, you know, if you'd never seen the movie or any of the publications, it always says that. So I just assumed he had wrote it and he directed it, and he had so 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 little to do with it. Yeah, that it was really kind of astounding to me how much of this film or the majority of it is not. I mean, it comes kind of, I guess it comes from his brain, sure. but it's people doing stuff as if they were Tim Burton. Right. And it's, it's so, and I think that also, it, it, it's still, it's not, then that it becomes the icon that it does being a, kind of uh, a couple steps, couple Kevin Bacon levels away from the actual creator. It, it's it's interesting to me. And that's why I would say, go check out uh, the Christmas movies that made us on Netflix because it's so fascinating to watch um, all the behind, all the behind the scenes. And Danny Elfman was going to, wanted to do the voice of Jack Skellington. And they basically said, you can sing. Sorry, man, we're not going to give you that. <laughs> we're not going to yeah. give you the the lead the lead role. So would this movie have been better or worse if Tim Burton had been more involved? That is a very good question. I think my wife would say that it would have been worse <laughs> she is not a Tim Burton fan. <laughs> Probably because it goes back to what we've talked about with Disneyland and she just like holds a vendetta against it. But uh yeah, that's a very interesting I don't know. That that'd be an interesting take on uh, this film, uh, when we said, well, how would this movie be different if they made it in 2020? How would this different movie be different if Tim Burton actually made it? So typically, um, gen- I would say generally I enjoy Tim Burton. Like I do like his, his style, his storytelling. So I would be hopeful that it would be better, that it would be a tighter story. Yeah, I think there would be a lot more work done on Jack's character, especially. Because um, that's really the weakness here. It's not the artistry mm-hmm. at all. It's the the storytelling. It's the character development. Because even the basic story structure, which is maybe what he laid out, okay, it makes sense. I follow it. But the character development is what's lacking there. Um, and, and I wonder, because I usually... Like Edward Scissorhands, I know is like so weird and out there, but like that's one of my favorites of him. He's also because, a sympathetic. It's, yeah, it, it, Edward Scissorhands is way less scary than yeah. this film. <laughs> but I, I draw that correlation because that was kind of what I, um, I thought Jack was a poor version of Edward Scissorhands, like that kind of hopeful, longing character. Um, I will tell I you know. this, Eddie. Two things that would have been different about this film if Tim Burton himself actually made it. Johnny Depp would have been in it. Helen Bonham Carter would have been in it. Helena Bonham Carter, both of them would have been in this film at some degree. (laughs) Just I know that I don't think he works with Johnny Depp till Ed Wood or something like that. And then that's where 
their relationship really gets or no i guess edward says their hands wait a minute which one came first oh no you're right no it was it was edward says their hands first and then um and then edward so yeah he would have yes johnny depp would have been in this film and then Helena bottom carter would have been in this as well and while we're talking about these um the Danny Elfman score for Edward Scissorhands is his best score, arguably one of my favorite film scores of all time. It is hauntingly beautiful. Hauntingly beautiful. You have heard. If, you, if you've not listened first. to it, listen to it. Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, however you listen to music, it is, oh, it's gorgeous music. Eddie, I can't remember off the top of my head. Is Danny Elfman still alive? Yes. Okay. There's another big composer that did die in the past 10 years, right? In the past 10 years. In the past 30 years, there was (laughs) somebody who died. (laughs) I have no clue who you are referencing, but uh, Danny Elfman went on to score the Hong Kong Disneyland's version of Haunted Mansion called Mystic Banner. Um, that they, they, so that's kind of tying all this together here. Danny Elfman came back to, to do the score for that, which is very different than Haunted Mansion. Eddie, are we at the point now where we're going to um, grade this film? I think I would give it two fruit snacks. Two fruit snacks. What thought you, you were gonna, I thought you were going to give it more than that, honestly. I, I thought about it. I, again, I think the artistry is what I enjoyed the most here, not the story. Um, and so I think, or the characters and that, 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 you know, that brings it down. I have to agree with you. I think I'm going to give it a two as well. Cause I don't really want to watch this again. I think that's a big, big factor into my decision-making. I, all two of those goes directly to, um, the creativity yeah, and the artistry and that's it. I, I don't, I don't hit- want to watch it again. I think, it, it, yeah, exactly. I think that hits the the nail right on the head. Uh, we, Sarah and I both stopped at the end and we're just like, we're not, we don't really ever want to watch this again. And and it's fascinating because you hear of so many people like they watch this every year at Halloween. And we yeah. thought, oh, is this going to be another one of those movies? We kind of like, like Hocus Pocus we watch every year at Halloween. It's like, nope, this didn't rise to that level. No. Is this a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Yes, that is the question that I want you to answer. You need to choose one side or the other. <laughs> I love how our ESPN is is on on par there. Um, I would say it's a Halloween movie. It's just no no contest. It is neither. It is a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> <laughs> sits right between it's in that weird dead zone of like we need to watch something holiday there you go it's like right before thanksgiving yeah because you can't go. watch christmas movies yet mm-hmm. that's that what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is hilarious and i love your hand motions during that where i'm like gotta put get some eddie on either side of the of the microphone of the mic it was that was purposeful this mic is uh is the turkey the the turkey (laughs) some gobble gobbling 
in there. Man, that was that was a that was a departure. But yes. Is there any dad tips? <laughs> this film don't, don't watch this with your toddler. Don't watch no. this with your kids. Uh don't Sarah, Sarah exactly her words when we finished she it were Lewis out, <laughs> out of the we won't let our kids see this until they are much, much older. Like laying I, down the law. Yeah. I I agree. We just never known. We never seen it. And my wife has no desire to show them to our kids at all. So just out of spite. Yeah, yeah. I I feel for her. I understand. And the haunted mansion at Disneyland is so good. It is. It's so good. Did you know that the shrinking room is the world's largest elevator? Wow. You didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I believe it because it's a really large elevator. Yep. You go down and to go, go over. And that is the world's largest elevator. I just figured elevator. the room was stretching. Like they were telling me it was stretching. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it's stretching. Thank you for. I don't want to spoil the magic. Heart. I don't want to spoil <laughs> the. Watch the Imagineer story. It'll tell you what they're really doing there. Yeah. But speaking of magic, this podcast has been magical and if you think that we have been a magical host for you on this journey please go and subscribe to honey we made a disney podcast uh wherever you get podcasts wherever leave us a review yes also feel free you know that'd be great you want to say something kind about us if you want to say something mean about us don't leave a review you don't Don't you don't have to say mean things Go to Twitter and put it there. It'll just get washed away with all the other mean mean tweets that are. We we do have a Twitter account. We have an Instagram account. We have a Facebook page. Don't tweet any of them. That don't 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 hit it any of them uh, with bad stuff. Just the nice things. Uh, so yes, please go subscribe if you want to know about the next movies we have coming up uh, in our list as we go from 1998, 1988 until 2005. Uh, all the movies that we're going to be covering, you can go to honeywemade.com slash movies. And we got our whole list there, including next week's film, which is Eddie. The Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers. I've never seen this film. I've seen oh, all really? the other editions of The Three Musketeers from Mickey Mouse to the what was the dog that would teach teach you uh, spot or whatever teach you on PBS the show wishbone about the wishbone. are you talking about wishbone wishbone okay. I've seen the wishbone one I have not seen this three musketeers so this I grew up with this one this was a good one we shall see what's gonna happen but Eddie I have to go um uh find some shrunken heads to give my kids for 